We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, everyone. I love this song, I Can't Stand the Rain. You know, Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I am so excited for this half hour because we got a lot to talk about. This week, State Attorney General Keith Ellison announced a civil lawsuit lawsuit against retail stalwart uh, Fleet Farm. And the lawsuit alleges that Fleet Farm negligently sold guns to straw buyers. If you don't know what straw buyers, buyers are, they are per- people who buy something on behalf of another person in order to circumvent legal restrictions or enable fraud. Yeah, you know, people that give away guns to criminals and that sort of thing. But what's really interesting um, for me through all of this... Uh, <clears throat> These straw buyers have been doing this for a long time, and it was used in the fatal mass shooting last year of 7th Street Truck Park in St. Paul. Let me say that again. A gun bought by one of those straw buyers was used in the fatal mass shooting last year at the 7th Street Truck Park in St. Paul, Minnesota. So what constitutes a straw buyer? You heard my definition. But we also want to ask, why is this a growing issue when it comes to the overall problem of gun safety? Well, let me tell you who's joining us tonight. Rashmi Sinavaratna is joining me. And um, Rashmi is the executive director of Protect Minnesota, and she is joining us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline uh, to talk all about this. Welcome, Rashmi. It's so glad to have you join us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, first of all, this is my first time hearing about Fleet Farm doing this. I did not stay on top of this, so forgive me for that. But Minnesota suing Fleet Farm over dangerous firearm sales is a really big, big deal to me. Is it a big deal for you as well? Uh, Yeah, I think it is just because this is um, a huge way in which guns are getting into Minnesota and getting into hands of criminals. Um, So, you know, tackling this on at the retailer uh, end of things is a huge step in kind of helping curb violence across the state. You know, it says in an article that was written uh, by NPR that in its complaint, the state alleges that four Fleet Farm retailers in Minnesota sold a total of 37 firearms to two people within a 16-month period. Who would do that? It's so disturbing to read that this actually happened. And if so, what can we do about it? I mean, I think what we can do about it is what exactly Attorney General is doing, right, is to sue um, the retailers on it. And I'll just make a note, the reason it can happen is because federal law states that, you know, Fleet Farm has to go through, the like, like let's say a general manager has to go through the background check and go through the proper training. But each individual cashier who, you know, sells a gun or sells a firearm doesn't have to go through that. There's no legal requirement for that. 
And so this is how people can kind of get away with it, not even intending to. It's almost as though our state and federal laws are just being overlooked when it comes to firearms. And if that is so, will we ever be able to get past this and stop it from happening? I don't know that they're being overlooked as much as there's so many loopholes. And we've created this um, culture around guns that it's really hard to address it and to help people understand that we're talking about saving lives. No one's infringing on anyone's constitutional rights, but there are certain responsible measures that we have to take. Um, You know, I hope that uh, with the Supreme Court the way it is, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, under recent ruling in Bruin, they kind of shut down a lot of doors. But what I tell our constituents is any change has always come from community, right? It's always been community-driven, community-led. And so right now we're focusing on building community support around this idea that you can have a gun and you can be a legal gun owner, um, but we still need to have rules and regulations in place to ensure safety for everyone and especially children. But if people are, specifically Fleet Farm, if they're selling to straw buyers, we know that these are not people that should be getting the guns. That's for sure. They could be young people, um, older people. It's just that they want, these straw buyers want to get it into the hands of someone who wants a gun. And there are plenty of young people who are looking for that. Um, I've always thought if you're going to have a gun, you got to go through the due process. Is the due process still working? Uh, I think the due process isn't strong enough. Uh, there's a lot of loopholes. One of the loopholes is, you know, when you do a permit to purchase or a permit to carry, um, if the, your local police department or sheriff's office can't get their results back from the federal government three days, they can just decide to give you the gun. We need to cold, close that loophole. Um, you need to wait until those results come back before you can give someone. So we have things in place. We just need to tighten those up. And I think one of them is looking at how can we end straw buying. Mm. Who is to answer that question? Our legislators, our elected officials who refuse to make any movement on this. Um, You know, I think that the general public often doesn't know that these loopholes exist. Um, The Charleston church massacre, uh, that was what happened. You know, he wasn't allowed to buy a gun, but the background search never came back and didn't come back early enough or fast enough and he was able to get the guns. There's dire and fatal consequences Um, And so we need to hold our legislators accountable. Um, You know, Protect Minnesota is doing our job to educate people around the laws, the existing laws and the loopholes. But at the end of the day, um, we need legislators to understand that people's lives are more important than the next um, election win. So, Rashmi, you really don't think that he understands that? You don't think they they know that they're doing this? These legislators know what's happening and they go silent. Right now, our attorney general is speaking up and out, like Ellison said in an article, the state is seeking monetary relief from Fleet Farm. In my own mind, that's not enough. You know, I think somebody should go to jail. Nobody seems to be going to jail these days when it comes to to gun safety or, or, or ignorance. It's like a hole is open. A hole is. is open that allows people to just walk through and do whatever they want to do with their firearms. And there there is no. I don't know. They don't seem to have any there's way no, of making sure they go to jail or something. There's no accountability. And there I think as far as there's legislators that you talk about, do they know? They know. 
Seventy percent of gun deaths in Minnesota are suicide. They know it's in their districts. They know what's happening. They know communities are being affected. And I can't answer that question for you because I don't have that same mindset in that if there's a mother burying their child unnecessarily, my heart breaks. My first answer is how do we stop this? How do we help? I don't know how a legislator can kind of shut that off and say second amendment or this isn't going to you know speak well to my constituents well it's your constituents that are dying so i don't know how to answer that question to you (laughs) i appreciate that but i have to tell you it's um it used to be that all of the violence was happening in the twin cities metro area and it is it Mm -hmm. is just now filtering through so many of the suburbs and exurbs and we keep saying to ourselves oh it's never going to come our way well it's gotten there it's there we just don't hear about it they write about what's happening in the inner city they don't write about what's happening in the suburbs (laughs) way out right and that's what really bothers me people stand and say oh it's just in those neighborhoods it's not me not in my backyard you know but it is yeah going back to that 70 percent right it's primarily white men that are committing suicide in rural Minnesota. So this idea of gun violence um, and suicide is very much in communities across the country and across Minnesota. And the sad thing is a lot of it is young kids. Um, And so, and again, I say this as a mother and I've said it before, this can't be the legacy that we leave them. And as a parent, it's my job to protect them. And they're just, I mean, we send kids to school and there's active shooter drills. And then there's a suicide component, and we're making it so easy for them to access things when their brains aren't fully developed. Yeah, but we have to come up with repercuss- uh, reper- I'm so sorry, repercussions, because the bottom line is it's never going to get better unless somebody, you know, it has to be blamed. And it doesn't have to be one; it can be many. But they ought to, you know, you have young men in prison, black men, boys, that were selling a dime bag of cocaine or a dime bag of marijuana who got 25 years, right? Now you have yeah. people, these straw buyers that are, you know, making sure to get into the wrong hands instead of the right hands, and they don't seem to suffer anything. Maybe it's my ignorance, but they don't seem to suffer. What can you we know, do, I mean, do to make that prison, change? They do get prison sentences, but the reality is it's, it pales in, to, compar- sorry, in comparison to the lives lost, right? So it's this idea of, well, okay, you'll get a couple years in prison, but that doesn't take back the damage that that firearm caused. Um, And from our end, like we're a prevention organization, so we focus really on before that straw buyer gets to that point, what can we do? Um, And some of that is looking at laws around, you know, um, federally licensed gun stores or firearm stores kind of have to keep a record that only they own. It's not a registry. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) Um, That this is something that should be really easy to track. Right. So it is negligent in the fact that they weren't able to track that because they are required to keep track of who sells. I think a couple, maybe last summer or the summer before, there was a local gun shop store who was able to catch on to a straw buyer. So they did their due diligence and they called the police. And so it is very much a negligence on this in this case. And that was one. Yeah. Just one. I don't know. Um, Sometimes my heart wants to, you know, walk away from me and sit down and have a conversation with me because there's a part of me that allows me to not just get upset, but angry. And I'm not a woman who gets angry. 
So this mm-hmm. is my challenge as I watch and I read and I see. You can't close your eyes to it anymore. You absolutely have to do something. So what should we do, Rashmi? The first thing is really to elect individuals um, who can actually make a difference, who are willing to kind of stand up against um, this culture of guns over people, right? Like it's legislators' job to protect us, um, protect our communities, protect our kids. Um, That's the first step. But like the step that I think is most uncomfortable for people is to talk to friends and neighbors about this issue. We need to start talking about mental health and how it's affecting everyone. And we need to start talking about safe gun storage. We need to talk to our kids about guns that, you know, you, they aren't toys. Not everyone grows up with guns and doesn't understand that. Um, and we just take, and what Protect Minnesota is doing is looking at the laws we have and saying, what are the loopholes? Where can we work together to close this? And I will say it's very telling the organizations that don't work or want to work on this. Um, because you see that, again, this idea of election win or profits over people. And that, to me, is a bigger, you know, crisis that our society is facing, which is probably another call. Um, right. But it's, you know, it's doing closing the loopholes where we can and working really hard. Um, again, I go back to, to making sure that a mom doesn't have to bury her child, whether it's in Pine City or Minneapolis. Right. Well, everyone seems, I shouldn't say everyone, but so many Minnesotans tend to look at the Twin Cities and go, well, they're the ones with the guns. And it's not so. It's all over the place. And I think that's what we need to bring into focus is that it's not Mm -hmm. just the Twin City urban areas. It is not. And they, you know, people are convinced of it because that's what they read in papers and articles and that sort of thing. But it is so much more than that. And if we could somehow get involved again, because, you know, we've marched to get rid of these, these. Um, yep. um, guns. We've we've done everything we think we can, and so as we mm-hmm. keep trying, one little piece at a time, it's getting worse. They're making it easier to put it into the hands of those children that should have it. Like these gangs can like throw weapons into a yard to discard yeah. it, right? And then a, you know a four year old boy comes outside and finds it. You know, yeah. it's, it's like this should never be able to happen. But I agree with you. We have to make sure that our legislators are engaged in the conversation and is willing to do something big to stop it. I don't know well, what that big is. It's, it's, it isn't something big. It's all the little things that they could have done and they should have been doing up until now, right? It's closing that loophole with the um, the three-day wait period. It's ensuring that our the ATF has stronger enforcement so they can require um, gun stores and sh- like shooting ra- or gun stores to have more stringent regulations. We've just mm-hmm. kind of been lazy about it. And I think in some cases people have purposely been lazy. Um, and in other cases, um, they've created this narrative of, you know, your gun is your identity. It's your manhood. Um, and people are afraid to kind of take that on. And the reality is that it's killing everyone. And it's killing everyone regardless of age, race, socioeconomic status. Um, It's the one thing that just kills freely and affects everyone. And it's, it's disheartening for us from our side that we can't, like, how many more stories do we have to tell? How many more Ovaldes? How many more Sandy Hooks? How many more Charlestons and Buffaloes do we need to have before something happens? 
Rashna Sinavaratna, I am so yep. grateful that you joined us tonight. I hope we can Thank call you. on you again. Of course. Have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My goodness, Executive Director of Protect Minnesota has joined us tonight, and the conversation is rich. But is it rich enough for us to really move on it? That's the question. We'll be back. It is now 826. Thank you so much for sticking and staying with Jonathan and I tonight. You are listening to Steel Talk, and I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. Our next guest coming up is Dr. Herman Milligan, board member of Art to Change the World, and he's going to be joining us to talk about uh, the historical timeline of black America through a new exhibit being displayed at the University of Minnesota's Catherine E. Nash Gallery, and that's coming up soon. As I start to you know ease back on this story that we just talked about as far as guns there's so much more that um protect minnesota is doing like gun shop project it says that they are working to implement the gun shop project here in minnesota disseminating firearm suicide prevention as well as safe storage materials from locally trusted sources by firearm owners like gun shops and shooting rangers and there's there ranges and there's so much more like safe storage, that's really important to them. Safe storage of supplies, like the bullets, that sort of thing. And of course, local government partnerships, like we work directly with local government departments, like the Minneapolis Office of Violence Prevention, that endeavor to prevent gun violence in the cities they serve. We talk a lot about it. And to me, it's gotten to the point we talk too much. And I know that talking, when communities get together and talk, a whole lot of healing can happen and understanding can arrive. I understand that. I really do. I get it. At the same time, we've been talking for a long time and a whole lot of folks are dying. Even people wanting to kill their entire families, especially their children, their spouse, they want to kill them. What is happening? Is it something in the food, the water? Who knows what it is? But I tell you this, we all need to figure it out. We all need to Get involved in so many different ways. I don't care if you have to pray and pray. I mean, pray to you can't stop praying. Just keep going because it's getting worse and worse throughout the country. There's so much more to talk about, but we got to take a break and we'll come back with my next guest, which I'm very excited about, Dr. Herman Milligan, board member of Art to Change the World. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. 
Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is now 8.36 here at WCCO. We are waiting for our guest, Dr. Herman Milligan, board member of Art to Change the World. Um, but I want to let you know about what this, this that we're talking about tonight is so precious to me. Um, the Catherine E. Nash Gallery presents A Picture Gallery of the Soul. Again, it's called A Picture Gallery of the Soul. It's a group exhibition of over 100 black American artists who practice, incorporates the photographic medium, sampling a range of photographic expressions from traditional photography to mixed media and conceptual art, and spanning a time frame that includes the 19th, 20th, and 21st centuries. The exhibition honors, celebrates, investigates, and interprets black history its culture, and politics in the United States. Now, from the, let me see if I can get this word right, daguerreotypes, daguerreotypes made by jewels. And let me tell you what daguerreotypes means, because I didn't know, so I'm not, I'm not sure if you know as well. It was the first publicly available phonographic, photographic process. It was widely used during the 1840s and 1850s. Now, daguerreotype also refers to an image created through this process, um, and Louis Daguerre, in 1844, by um, Jean Baptist uh, Blot, they invented this. I, I, I'm assuming and introduced worldwide in 1839. Yes, he did. Um, so it's interesting. I've never heard that word before, Jonathan. So I'm excited to now know what a daguerreotype type is. But um, this was made by Jules Lyon in New Orleans in 1840 to the Instagram post of the Baltimore Uprising made by Devin Allen in 2015. Photography has chronicled black American life and black Americans have defined the possibilities of photography. Frederick Douglass, a former enslaved person and nationally prominent abolitionist, recognized the quick, easy, and inexpensive re- can I say this right? Reproducibility to photograph. I gotta get on that word. He presently uh, developed a theoretical framework for understanding the implications of photography on public discourse in a series of four lectures. The exhibition title comes from Douglas's lecture on pictures delivered in Boston in 1861 during the Civil War. You know, Jonathan, pictures have really made an, an incredible statement, not just for black people, but for all people around the world. I remember talking to the president of a university, and he had pictures in his office that sh really told the story of all of his travels. And those pictures I still remember today, absolutely remarkable, some in black and white. Some people um, look at it and keep saying, oh, my gosh, you know, look at this. And, you know, he said to me, people come in this office and they see these pictures and some are confused, some are overwhelmed, some are moved to their core. This is what pictures do. And, and with iPhone, we have a chance with any type of, uh, of, of phones that we're using today. Um, we really have a chance to discover so much when it comes to pictures. I get on Facebook and I see people like Diana Pierce who actually – um, kind of adjust the picture to add just a different hue. And I'm not quite sure what it's called, what um, this this type of 
of way of doing it is called, but it is absolutely stunning. It looks like the flower is coming out of the picture and into me. That's what it feels like. So I keep going online to look at all the pictures that she's presenting. So if you get a chance, go to Diana Pierce, go, go to her Facebook page and see what she's doing. It really is remarkable. And we're seeing this with so many people throughout the world. People have been drawing pictures on inside of caves and on mountains and you name it since the beginning, since the very beginning. So pictures really do matter. But let me tell you, when you get a photograph, that is really something. Um, I keep saying to myself, I'm going to print all of the pictures that I have on my phone. And I have about 3,000 of them taking up a lot of room. I need to get them printed. And I don't know about you, Jonathan. Do you know what the process is or how long it would take me to print out, you know, 3,300 <laughs> pictures? Have you ever done that? Jonathan, are you there? Oh, my goodness. Did I lose him again? We are having some difficulties, everyone, so I really apologize. If Jonathan is not there, it's because I probably need to restart again. We are having a lot of challenges. Are you there, Jonathan? All right. He says I can keep talking. Great. So here's the thing for me with pictures. Pictures tell my story. They tell my friends' stories. They tell my grandchildren's story stories. They tell my siblings' stories, my mother's generations of siblings and, and all of their children telling their story. My friends tell their stories when they show me their pictures. It just be, begins with a picture. And sometimes we'll say, oh, you know, everyone has a story, but who all wants to hear it? Okay, I'm one of those because we are nothing but a collection of stories. And a lot of those stories begin with a photograph. I apologize for, for that, Geraldine. I had uh, I was trying to take care of some things in the background here, but you were talking about stories and pictures. Yes. Uh, I, I think photos and pictures of... There's a reason we keep all of these things for so long. There's a reason why when people look in older homes and discover old portraits or old right. photographs, uh, right. they're so valued. It's because only, storytelling can only take you so far. Um, a lot of times you need to have some kind of uh, visual aid to help you, to, to give you an opportunity to see what is uh, what the time was like, what the the dress of the time, what the um, architecture of the time, what the uh, the space of the time mm -hmm. tells us. And so, when we see something like that, that gives us a fuller a fuller understanding of not just what we might be going through in, at certain times, but what other people might be going through, and, and draws us in, gives us more maybe sympathy, maybe empathy toward a plight or sharing the joy or sharing the, uh, the anger. Uh, you know, it, it, it brings us together in a way where we, we may not be able to do that over time because generations pass and other generations move on. You know, what's really interesting, um, photography was invented in 1822, and for some reason in my heart and mind, it sounds like it was a long, much longer time ago than that, but just 1822. And when the first 
A photograph was taken by Joseph Nayeps. Unfortunately, the first examples of his work had been lost to history, but he still holds the title for the oldest surviving photograph, surviving photograph taken in 1826. I mean, that's remarkable um, because I keep thinking, oh, no, no, this was 1600s or 1500s when photographs were happening. But no, just 1822. No, those Not are all, so if, you, if you go back that far, it's all portraits. It's all painted. It's all paint. Mm. Yeah, if you go back that far, it is paint. But photographs have really, and many of them still exist today. You know, I, I don't know how they were preserved so well. I would love to know. <laughs> so when I print mine off, I don't have to worry about them going bad. But now we can print our pictures on paper, which is really awesome. And I don't know how long it will last. Do you? I don't. Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea, but I am going to ask. I'm going to find out how long does it take. Do I need to frame it? Do I need to put plastic over it? What do I need to do? Because I don't want to have all 3,300 of them printed, and all of a sudden they start to fade and go away. I don't want that. So we have to figure that out, right? We have to figure it out. I know when I go back and look at my old pictures that tell my story, good God. I can't believe the hairstyles I wore. I can't believe the clothes that I wore. You know, those photographs tell our story, whether we like it or not. It tells our story. My mother has a shrine. We call it the shrine in her <laughs> den. And it's pictures of all her grandchildren and some great-grands and all of her children and our album covers. And, oh, my gosh, it's so much of us up on the walls. I stopped looking at it, you know. <laughs> but I'm grateful for it. Because none of us know if we're going to lose our memory. None of us know where we're going to be when we're 79, if we ever get there. We don't know. We don't know. So I have great respect for pictures. They tell a story that some people may have forgotten. By the way, I, you can tell that I was silent when you talked about your old pictures because, again, trying to be a little bit on the respectful side. So just uh, just, just – Note that for your for your brain that I did not no, say anything. No, I don't anything. think I will. I don't think I will. But I will ask you this. How much hair did you have in high school? Not a ton. I've never had a lot of hair. You never had a big afro? No. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That was my father. That's my oh, father. Oh, wow. Yes, my father did have an afro. Um, but it is it is well gone. And because of that, I call him receding hairline man. And I am the son of receding hairline man. Yes, and you so, are. I was just about to say that. See, that's what you're yes. paying for right there. Yes. You don't say things like that, man. Come yes. on. My mother has beautiful hair, but I have my father's hair. My father was the most wonderful man I've ever known. Just beautiful father. Beautiful. And my mother's gorgeous woman, right? Let me tell you, I got my father's hair, and that's some tight hair, honey. I can't look. The comb struggles <laughs> every time I comb my hair. But it's true, Jonathan. I know your comb struggles too. You're just not trying to get involved. In I'm that just, I'm just saying. I know what you're doing. I'm just saying. I look, I look better bald, and I'm going to leave it at that. And we got break. Okay, we have to break. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 8:52 here at WCCO. Welcome, welcome. I hope you've enjoyed uh, what we have been talking about. I'm so sorry we were not able to reach out to our guest. Well, we tried to reach out, but we weren't able to reach him. Uh, but I do want to give you a little bit of history. Memorial and post-mortem photography was common from the birth of the direct. Dere- oh my goodness, 
daguerreotypes, forgive me, in 1839 to the 1930s. Now, deaths were frequent in the 19th and early 20th centuries, and many people, especially children, had no photograph taken of them while living. But it was interesting that in the 1800s, taking a photo of someone that is deceased wasn't creepy. It was comforting. In an era where photos were expensive, and many people didn't have any pictures of themselves when they were alive. So post-mortem photography was a way of families, a way for families to remember their deceased loved ones. Now, there's something comforting about that. But I know we've seen movies that talk about post-mortem, postpartum uh, photography. Um, I think there was... Um, I can't remember the name of this movie, but this is something that went on for a long time, and people really loved keeping those pictures. And there are folks who have moved into older homes, and they've, you know, had to remove a wall or something, and pictures were exposed, and they, they um, um, were able to really watch them and try to do some searching to see, wow, why did they do this? It's so different from who we are today so different. Um, I know that morgues have to do it, but we don't have to do it. We don't here necessarily in the United States feel like that's an okay thing. However, there are not only other countries, but there are people here in this country, um, like especially the Asian Americans that live here uh, in our country. And they they um, really respect their, their um, families, those that have moved on uh, gone on to heaven or whatever it is that they believe in. And it's really quite remarkable and beautiful to walk in a home of theirs and see some of their ancestors on the wall with a little piece of wood sticking out just enough to, to sit food there or fresh, the very best of the best of fruit and that sort of thing, just to say we honor you today. It is beautiful. Also in Yoruba and voodoo and so many other um religions. It's quite remarkable how many people really do honor their ancestors. And I say to myself often, maybe I should do more. You know, we have some family pictures here that we really love that are sitting right out in the dining room. And we just love looking at the pictures of our my great-great-grandmother and um, so many others that have passed on. But I get to see a picture of them. That's how important pictures are. All right, Jonathan, as we wrap up tonight, I want to let everyone know that coming up next is Center Stage. We only have half an hour for Center Stage tonight. Is that correct, Jonathan? Yes, yes. We have gotten out of one sports season and into yes, another. into another one. <laughs> yes, it's true. The Timberwolves <laughs> are now in preseason mode. They are out west and have been playing out west for a few days now, so they are I believe in L.A. I don't think they're playing on a neutral site because some of these preseason games, they'll take them to neutral sites. They won't, uh, they won't play on home courts. So uh, they are out west. They are taking on the Clippers, and that is going to be a special sort of thing. Because it's preseason, we don't have the standard uh, pregame show. So mm-hmm. it will, uh, it will uh, basically what will happen is we'll get into the broadcast and they'll basically get into the game. So uh, 9.30 is when we will start to uh, broadcast the Timberwolves. They'll start just after 9.30, and then we'll, ter- we'll carry that whole game. And on the back end, I'll, I'll be here and more than likely have time to go through some of the scores of the day. Uh, the NFL scores, Vikings were winners today. Green Bay did not win so a nope. lot of purple people are happy today. Um, 
some and, are not. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, well, some other people, some green people are not happy today. Green and gold are not happy today. No, we have some purple people that believe in the green and gold. Uh, well, they, they, they follow them. They may wear the jersey, but they are you know, I, I, hoping I, that the, the green will win. <laughs> I I don't know how many purple people actually actually have green and gold underneath their purple. That's that's a real that's a stretch. That's for real. No, um, it's a for, it's for real. But then there was another big result that happened in Major League Soccer today involving Minnesota United. Um, they actually did win today, so they are making the playoffs. So I'll kind of detail that after the game uh, time pending. All right, it's been a pleasure being with all of you up to this point. And, of course, coming up next is Center Stage from 9 to 9.30. Then we hope that you will stick and stay with us and just take a listen to the game tonight and enjoy it all. So stay tuned for next Sunday. I can't wait to be with all of you. However, we still have more to come, half an hour at least. We'll be back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.